Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A student stabbed and three others detained at a local high school. What the superintendent says is next for the school. Plus, why a local couple says they were treated differently because of their race after their plane made an emergency landing. Then, a stolen sports car driving more than 110 miles per hour crashes into a power pole in a police chase. How investigators say the teenager behind the wheel stole the car and many others. We've got a nice blast of fall weather on the way, but it's coming with rain chances. I'll let you know when the cold front arrives and see the newest forecast track for Hurricane Lee. Law enforcement in Durham, they want some answers. They want to know what led up to a fight that put a high school on lockdown today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dan Haggerty. And I'm Ashley Rowe. Northern High School just opened last week. Now one of its students is in the hospital with stab wounds and three have faced questioning in the case. WRL's Aaron Thomas live there at Northern High School Again, as Ashley just said, it just opened. Here we got some scary moments for everybody, students, staff, and families there, Aaron. Yeah, that's really the shocking part of this all. The school just opened is certainly scary when you want these parents definitely want the school to be a safe place for their students. We learned from Durham Public School Superintendent that this school will have counselors on hand tomorrow. The school behind it was actually placed on lockdown right after this uh, 11 a.m. incident took place. Look at your screen. We actually captured the moment that we saw uh, several parents coming to pick up their children after the regular 4.15 p.m. dismissal time. But families also had the chance to pick up their children after after officials lifted that lockdown that lasted more than an hour. Several parents telling WRL about their concerns when it comes to school safety. Durham County Sheriff's Office as well as Durham Public Schools say that a fight broke out and a student was hurt after another student used what's believed to be a knife. We're able to apprehend those students. Uh, they are with us and we're doing everything possible when it comes to discipline and the law enforcement. They are also involved to support us in this. Now, on our late news, we are in the process of trying to get in contact with any sort of legal experts or juvenile justice experts to find out what's next in this case. Dan? Got it. Aaron Thomas, Live Force. Thanks, Aaron. Happening right now, we will find out if teens in Fayetteville will have a curfew, and some protesters are already pushing back. Here are those protesters right there. Now, you may recall Fayetteville Police Chief Braden has pushed a proposal after several victims and suspects in recent shootings were teenagers. Under the proposal, anyone 16 or younger would have to be off the city streets from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Now, those protesting against it share why they believe the proposal would not work. Take a listen. This ordinance will result in police stopping and interrogating people who should be treated as equal. It will result in a de facto stop and frisk policy for our city. This ordinance is an anti-civil liberties atrocity. 
You heard the reason against it. What about the reason for it? We have a crew inside that council meeting that is expected to start. It has already started. It's supposed to start at 7 o'clock. We will have a crew there and have an update for you later tonight at 10 and 11 on what the council decides on this controversial proposal. Controversial indeed. Thank you, Julian. Four brazen thieves made off with four cars from an auction lot in Clayton this morning. Officers have since found two of the cars, but not before officers had to chase the suspects in two different counties. WRL's Chelsea Donovan explains. It was here at Insurance Auto Auctions on Sedisco Road in Clayton where around 7 a.m. employees at this lot noticed suspicious activity. It turned out to be car thefts in progress. It was here at Insurance Auto Auctions on Sedisco Road in Clayton around 7 this morning where employees noticed suspicious activity on the lot, which turned out to be car thefts in progress. A blue Corvette, a blue convertible. Black Hellcat, red eye, and a green Dodge Charger. Broadcastify scanner traffic revealing that a blue Camaro blew through this fence at the car lot and bolted down Highway 70 towards Wilson Mills. I just had that blue passenger car pass me at a high rate of speed. Johnston County Sheriff deputies and Wilson Mills police engaged in a high-speed chase down 70. Eventually, the blue Camaro slammed into this power pole in a construction zone, snarling traffic for hours. The suspect behind the wheel ran on foot to get away behind this family dollar. He was in the westbound lane, crossed over, ran on foot, jumped the barrier and started running towards um, into Wilson Mills city limits. With the use of canines, authorities found this suspect, a 17-year-old from Charlotte, down this gravel road. Come up here, look. The teenager was arrested and will face a long list of charges. Authorities say the suspect used a Kia stolen out of Charlotte to get here to the auction site to attempt to steal those high-end sports cars. Around 9 o'clock in Chatham County, a 2014 Corvette was speeding on US 421. That car failed to stop for authorities. A chase ensued and the driver ran from the car on 64 in Siler City. The driver got away on foot, but authorities say that Corvette was stolen from the auction lot here in Clayton. At this time, authorities have still not located the Challenger and the Charger. Chelsea Donovan, WRL News, Johnston County. And a Walmart and an elementary school were put on lockdown for a short time after that chase in Siler City. So we have two hurricanes now swirling in the Atlantic tonight. Over here we have Hurricane Lee. Of course, we've been paying attention to this for a few days. This is a Category 3 currently. And over here we have Hurricane Margo. Now, Margo is not a threat to land, but parts of the East Coast are now included in the forecast track for Lee. So we should mention that. Meteorologist Kat Campbell joining us where, where it all stands at this point, Kat. Lee is going to be the one to watch for us, but still we are not expecting direct impacts here in North Carolina. Top winds 115 miles per hour as it continues to move to the west-northwest. Weakening is expected as Lee passes just west of Bermuda. It is likely to weaken by Friday into a Category 1. In this region, there's much cooler ocean temperatures, and that's the reason why. If you follow the forecast track all the way out through the weekend, even Boston, parts of New England included in the forecast track, so this is going to be one to watch. We expect Lee to pass more than 500 miles off the coast 
coast of North Carolina. But zooming in on some of the areas that could be impacted, even though Boston is in the track, it looks more likely that Atlantic Canada, perhaps Maine, could be directly impacted. We'll be watching it closely. Our main concern here is going to be the rough surf. We're talking 7 to perhaps 14-foot waves possible by the end of the week. We expect dangerous rip currents all week long, and rough surf is likely as well. But we're also tracking a cold front. It's the same one that helps to keep Lee away from us. I'll have more on that part of the good news coming up. Sounds good. Thanks, Kat. A Durham couple's trip back from a destination vacation turned into a nightmare. They spent 10 days in Ghana, and when it was time to come home, an emergency landing led to several problems. They feel race was a factor in the way they were treated. WRAL's Shelley Jackson heard from the couple and the airline. When Nana Asante Smith walked through these doors more than 10 days ago, she hoped her trip would be memorable. And it was. Nana Asante Smith and her husband, Idrissa Smith, planned this trip to Ghana for a year and a half to celebrate their six-year wedding anniversary with relatives. It was truly the trip of, our, uh, of a lifetime. Five hours into the flight, mechanical issues forced the plane to make an emergency landing at Lajes Air Base International Airport in Portugal, an airport that Delta did not provide service to. No one from Delta was on site, and Asante Smith says passengers were asking for food and water. The couple thinks part of their experience is because of their race and ethnicity. There's no doubt in my mind that we were treated and disregarded in the way that we were, both by the airport and by Delta Airlines, uh, because we, we were, I guess, perceived of as second-class citizens. I think the fact that the plane came from Ghana and the people who stepped off the plane happened to be black added to it. A Delta spokesman tells WRAL that is absolutely not the case. He said flight 157 was diverted for the mechanical issue and a different plane was sent from Lisbon. The couple says they were again stranded when the plane landed at JFK with no help with hotels, food or transportation. Delta says there were severe weather delays this weekend, which constrained hotel space and rebooking times. As soon as we got into line to seek the help that we were promised, we were met with really complaints about how overwhelmed the airline was. Delta says refunds and an additional gesture of goodwill were provided to our customers for the experience. Asante Smith says they were initially offered $400 each. They returned to Raleigh Sunday, but the perfect trip is marred by the ending. They could have and should have handled that situation much differently. Now, Delta says the flight initially diverted due to a problem with the backup oxygen system. Shelly Jackson, WRAL News, Raleigh. Let's talk curfews for a moment. As Julian was mentioning in the live center earlier, Fayetteville City Council is expected to vote on a curfew for kids and teenagers tonight. The rule says that they have to be kids back home by midnight on weekdays and 1 a.m. on weekends. But there is a lot to consider here. For instance, do curfews work? If they did work, do police even have the resources to uh, enforce them? And what rights do people actually have when it comes to curfews? We're going to touch on that uh, for just a moment. Cities, of course, have been passing curfew rules for decades now. In that time, lawsuits and court decisions have given us a better picture of what's actually legal. So let's go in depth.
Now, you might be thinking, hey, these are just kids, right? They're under 18, they're juveniles, they don't have the same rights as adults, and that's actually true on several fronts. The U.S. Supreme Court case from the 70s ruled minors can be treated differently in many cases because of, quote, the particular vulnerability of children, their inability to make critical decisions in an informed, mature manner. Of course, minors do still have First Amendment rights, so curfews must include exemptions for that sort of thing. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and assembly all right there among the exceptions included in Fayetteville's rule. Though it's still open to interpretation, isn't it? No officer, this isn't a party, it's my right to assemble, you know, that sort of thing. Of course, we also have to think about the parents. What are their rights? Shouldn't it be up to parents to make the rules for their kids and decide how to discipline them, not city council? Well, we look to Virginia, a court case there from 1998. A group of parents challenged a curfew in Charlottesville, saying it infringed on their right to raise their children. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals found that a town curfew actually did not target parents' overall rights, but simply the right for parents to control their children's movement. The court ruled that right is not an intimate family decision that could be entitled to protection. Now, these are all cases from outside of our state. North Carolina, the courts here, don't really have much history when it comes to youth curfews. But we do know state law allows them to exist. It says a county may be an appropriate ordinance, impose a curfew on persons of any age less than 18. But that's about it. Even the U.S. Supreme Court, they haven't really taken up juvenile curfew laws before. The court had a chance in 1976, but they turned that case away. So there's still a lot of questions we don't know the answers to. How a curfew would impact the rights of an adult who, let's say, just looks young. Uh, what I mean is, can an officer stop and question a young-looking 20-year-old walking to work, for instance, just because they have a baby face? And what happens if the initial stop then leads to something else, maybe something more serious? These are questions we still need answers to. But in the end, as it often does come to with police, what this really comes down to is, do we trust law enforcement to exercise the power that we provide them, in this case, the power of a curfew? Let me know what you think about this. Email me at dan at wral.com. We'll let you know, of course, what happens in Fayetteville. But reach out to, uh, for me, to me for anything. We love to discuss it right here. We will go in depth. Very curious to see how that meeting tonight goes. Last week they had a lot of things to iron out, so maybe they have uh, done that by now. Narcan is now on the shelf at pharmacies across our state. With a life-saving drug now available over the counter, WRAL Data Trackers breaks down where we are in the overdose crisis. Plus, a North Carolina connection to 9-11 you may not have heard of before. We dig into the WRAL archive to meet the Carrie woman who took a call from a flight attendant on one of the hijacked planes. Narcan, the overdose reversal agent, is now available over the counter at pharmacies around the country. Our data trackers checked local pharmacies here and found them around the city. Some were already down to their last box. As Ali Ingersoll reports, this tool comes available as the overdose crisis worsens around the state. Justin Garrity immerses himself in endless information and data about the state's opioid crisis. We're seeing so much fentanyl infiltrate drugs that people just don't know that they might be using. Garrity is the Healing Transitions Director of Recovery Services. He knows the program well. 
because he went through it himself. He's been in recovery for nine years now. In that time, the number of North Carolinians dying every year from overdoses has more than tripled. In 2022, more than 3,800 lives were lost, according to state data. One solution to combating the crisis is Narcan. The more naloxone or Narcan we can get out there, the better. The overdose reversal agent is a nasal spray, and now it's available over the counter. While the price has dropped in recent years to $45 a box, Garrity says that's still pretty steep and could create barriers to access. I'm a person in recovery, and when I was using, I wasn't going to pay $45 for anything if it wasn't kind of life-sustaining, either drugs or food. While he's concerned about the equity, he feels, in general, having Narcan available to everyone will hopefully make a difference. It absolutely can save lives. For WRL News, I'm Allie Ingersoll. Focusing once again on the tropics, just as we're talking about Lee and all of the rip currents that it's mm -hmm. going to cause along the North Carolina coast, there's now another tropical storm we have to worry about. Meteorologist Kat Campbell has been paying close attention to the uh, tropics. Kat, what can you tell us? Well, there are three systems now that we are watching. You know, it is still around the peak of hurricane season. We just reached the peak, so we made it past, but we've got the second half of the season to go. Lee, a Category 3 hurricane. Margo, a Category 1 hurricane. And here's the next tropical system that we're going to need to watch. It's moving offshore, off the coast of Africa, and headed to the west-northwest. It's got about a 60% chance of developing. We'll get an updated number on that though at eight o'clock so check in with meteorologist mike mays tonight for that update i put all the tracks on here so you can get a general gist of where everything's going lee remains more than 500 miles off the north carolina coast very dangerous surf expected margo does not threaten any land but it's still too early to really tell with this one with a 60 percent chance of developing model plots are all over the place so we need to let it develop first once a tropical system actually develops, then it's got a center and we can put that data into the models and we'll get a much better idea of where it's going. Right now, there's no real center to model where it could be headed. Our WRL Weather Watcher photo today, beautiful shot from Topsail Beach. Rough surf's going to be picking up at our coast, as I mentioned. We could see some 7 to 14 foot waves by the end of the week. So if you are headed east to the beach, it's going to look beautiful, but please admire it from the sand if the red flags are flying. And boy, what a beautiful sunset in both for tonight, not seeing any boats going by looking at the sunset, but hopefully there's some people standing on the dock checking it out. We have seen a couple of showers pop up, mainly toward Northampton County. Just a few spotty showers. Most of this is ground clutter that you are seeing on the radar right now. Tomorrow, the radar should be more active, though, at this time. It's about a 30% chance at relatively low chances. Lunchtime into the early afternoon. Scattered thunderstorms possible 4 o'clock through 9 o'clock is when we've got about a 40% chance for storms. But with the cold front actually moving in tomorrow night, there's a chance that we could actually see increasing rain chances at night. It's all due to this cold front that is going to be pushing into the area. It takes a couple of days to pass, so it's going to slowly move through from west to east tomorrow through Wednesday. Wednesday, the bulk of the storms may end up being in the eastern half of the state, though, as it slowly slides to the east. And it'll bring some rain with it, but behind the front, it's less hot, and the key here is less humid. That's going to give us a little taste of fall. I mentioned less humid. Let's talk about the dew points. This is what really gives us that crisp feel to the air. We're going to see it's still pretty muggy air through Wednesday, but we transition to that crisp fall air by Thursday, especially for 
Friday and Saturday, though, with dew points in the upper 40s to lower 50s. It is going to be feeling great outside. Fall lovers, we got some nice weather coming your way. But if you're not, fan of, uh, not a fan of the cooler weather, it's still going to be fairly warm during the afternoon. Not quite to full-on sweater weather just yet. High temperatures in the upper 70s to lower 80s. But in the evenings, mornings, low temperatures falling into the 50s. It's going to be comfortably cooler outside. Yes, we'll love those crisp mornings. Thank you, Kat. Today, we honor the lives of the people killed on this day 22 years ago. Every year on 9-11, we remember their sacrifices and their stories. Today, we share one you may not have heard before. Up next, we pull from the WRL archive for the story of a Kerry woman who took a call from one of the hijacked planes. Twenty-two years since 2,977 people lost their lives. Twenty-two years since our world changed forever. Today we remember the 9-11 terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. All day we've seen ceremonies and memorials across our state and country honoring the heroes and innocent people who were killed. We also honor the survivors and the many first responders who served that day and in the aftermath. Three are now Wake County Sheriff's Office employees. Bailiff Michael Dracola helped on the bucket brigade, sifting through rubble at Ground Zero. Deputy Peter Gonzalez helped secure a staging area for responders and resources. Deputy John Donnelly was on the team that secured a crime scene at a hotel where one of the terrorists was staying. We also remember how that day is directly connected to our area. Few know the story, though, of Vanessa Minter. In 2001, she was taking reservations for American Airlines at a call center in Cary. On September 11th, she got a call from Betty Ong, one of the flight attendants on Flight 11. Her call to Minter in Cary was the first alert to authorities that something was terribly wrong. Ong died later that day. A WRAL spoke to Minter several years ago. We went into the WRAL archive to hear what Minter said about that harrowing call. First thing out of her mouth was, I think we're being hijacked. She pretty much let us know that they were in the cockpit within minutes after they took off. Why was I the last person she spoke to? Why not her sister or her mother or her father? Somebody that could, could help her get through this. It was just, I couldn't make it right. It's something that I, I deal with. It's not, it's not that I, I dwell on it every day, but, it, but when you see it, you immediately go back into it. It's just something that, that will always be there. And I'm sure it still rings just as strongly as it did back when we did that interview the first time. Mentor supervisor Nedia Gonzalez eventually took over the call. It would be 4 o'clock in the afternoon before Minter found out what really happened. Just incredible. So many of us have a, a personal connection to that day, uh, a very unique and uh, difficult connection for that woman. Mm -hmm. Remarkable stories being told. Thank you for making WRAL your choice for local news. Our next newscast is at 10 o'clock on Fox 50 and 11 on WRAL. Have a great night. watching WRAL News over the air channel 34 and Spectrum channel 1257. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones 
who get it done.